What up, Power Project crew? This is Josh Settledge, a.k.a. Settlegate, here to introduce you to our next guest, Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern is an American professional football player for the New York Jets and formerly played college football at the University of Missouri and was drafted straight out of college to play for the Denver Broncos. In 2020, Connor suffered a pretty serious hamstring injury, which affected the rest of his playing during the season. However, he is now back to training and lifting, and Connor is no stranger to the iron. He is a big proponent of the Olympic lifts and strongman training for offensive linemen. On a side note, Connor is also very involved in fundraising and charity work for the special needs community in his hometown of Fargo, North Dakota. Connor was also heavily involved in the Fargo Able Games, which is one of the first all-inclusive tests of functional fitness for the special needs community. Recently, in May of 2021, the Fargo Able Games was able to raise over a million dollars for the special needs community. But that is a different story, hopefully one we'll be able to learn more about in today's conversation with our guest, Connor McGovern. Yeah, I didn't have anything to mix okay. mine. So I just I just gave it a swirl and it worked pretty good. Okay, you know what? Let me just do that so I don't cause a freaking mess. So in mine, just, I'm going to get to the bottom. It's just going to be all chocolate salt. <sighs> That's the best. <laughs> you get just a little bit here and there, and then all of a sudden, wham! Element chocolate salt to the face. You know, I I, I was sometimes I'm following like a pretty religious carnivore diet, but then I recognize like I drink a lot of coffee. And then I also recognize I eat a lot of stuff that has chocolate in it, <clears throat> like this chocolate salt. So I got more plants than I know what to do with. Yeah. Pause. Wait, this is like, is coffee? It's a plant. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Let's just consider it a vegetable, eh? Yeah. Did you eat your veggies today? Yeah, I had coffee. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Well, yeah, I'll right? use that from now on. What's a, what is a bean? A legume? So oh, what's a legume? No, is it a legume? No, isn't a legume a legume? Legume. Legumes? It's a bean. Coffee bean is a bean. That's not a legume. Yeah. I don't know. Shit. Roasted legumes. Well, aren't beans legumes? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are, but is a coffee bean a legume? I just like I saying know. legume. I do like it too. Legumes. It's a fun word. Legume. Yeah. Rides off the tongue. Yeah. Legumes. <laughs> you can't say it with a dry mouth though. Andrew, I'd love to give you a cheers, but you're all the way over there. I'm so. far. Kabing. All righty. Yeah, so bottoms up. We threw some chocolate salt in here today to uh impact the flavor and then also to get some of our electrolytes in electrolytes. there. Electrolytes. I've actually skipped doing caffeine first thing in the morning, like I used to. Yeah. Uh I started doing just element first thing when I wake up. So far it's been a, a transition, but it's actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm. so i was pretty stoked about that but yeah i'll start my day with just whatever flavor element and i'm um, not gonna lie i was getting like the caffeine headaches but i'm no longer getting those and i think the element's actually helping dude i think uh like starting starting your morning with electrolytes because you haven't drinking water during the night and mm-hmm. you probably sweat a little bit probably a little bit electrolyte deficient is a great idea and i think i like that because i have a lot of friends that um they drink quite a bit Let's say on the weekends, they drink quite a bit. So I have given them a box of almond and said, hey, try this. And every single one of them reports back, bro, you saved me. I don't have a hangover anymore. Mm. Like it's 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 a real thing. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's a tool, man. 
getting that hydration in there. And, and I think a lot of people and, and, uh, I didn't know much about this, you know, years and years ago, but I used to just drink tons and tons of water. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm working out. You see the people with the gallon jug and <laughs> I, I didn't really even know, I, but at the time I was actually depleting myself further because there was no electrolytes in there. There was no salt. You just keep peeing and peeing and peeing forever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so now with introducing this, uh, introducing some electrolytes and introducing some element it's been really really helpful absolutely so super beneficial and taste amazing uh head over to drink lmnt.com slash power project uh as at at the time of this recording they still are offering the free element recharge pack uh it kind of comes and goes so if you guys haven't taken advantage of that uh head over there right now because we don't know how long that's going to last uh but if in case it's not still there uh check out the value bundle that's uh paying for three boxes and getting four you get any four flavors you want shipped to your door uh it's just really just an awesome deal so again that's at drink lmnt.com slash power project no code needed just load that in your cart and uh, enjoy your element electrolyte. Sorry, I was reading an email because I shouldn't be reading while I'm trying to speak. (laughs) You know, it's funny though. It's like every single time these people is just like, man, maybe you shouldn't be drinking so heavily every single weekend. (laughs) But since you do. Oh yeah. You're like enabling. (laughs) Yeah. I'll make it easier for them to drink more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. People, people, uh, kind of start that train going on like thursday like thursday somehow becomes a weekend thirsty thursday <laughs> and then friday saturday and it just kind of keeps keeps rolling over into the next day keeps going and the only thing that makes you feel good is to drink more <laughs> <laughs> oh then you're in trouble yeah uh, slip that happens slope. with coffee you know like the next day you tell me about it like the reason why you get the reason why you get up and think about coffee is because you're you're starting to have coffee completely come out of your system yeah. and you're like, I can't live like this. Yep. <laughs> you want that caffeine again. Yeah. So there I, you are waiting in line. I've been relying on energy drinks a little bit too much. You know, like I went from having a little bit of coffee here and there to kind of a lot of coffee to like, you know, I just need to get this in my system right away. So let me crack open, you know, a, a cold, you know, energy drink. And then almost like, wow, dude, I had like two today. And it went from just like regular ones to the ones that have like 300 milligrams. Yeah. And then I'd get home and I'm just like, I'm shot. Like, I'm so tired. I'm like, what, the, like what's happening? So I'm just trying to wean myself off of like energy drinks right now. And so like coffee and like a Coke zero, like those are kind of in, they're okay right now. But I went probably three days with nothing and dude, my head was killing me. So again, I had to, I just kept sipping element. That was the only thing that could like kind of mellow out that, that weird headache. A lot of coffee, um, doesn't even tell you how much caffeine's in it. Like sometimes you got, it would have to like go and like, look it up. I've even had, uh, some cold brew cans and stuff. It doesn't really say on it. And Mm -hmm. now that I'm making supplements, I understand why I have to like test, test every single batch in order for you to be able to make specific claims like that on your label. And so that could be very expensive and just a giant pain in the ass. Wow. Um, but it would be great to make like a cold brew coffee that just didn't have that much caffeine in it. I think most of the companies are thinking the other direction. Mm-hmm. Like when someone drinks this, they're going to get like a huge jolt and it probably makes a lot of sense since we're addicted to caffeine. 
that you think about that cold brew again. You're like, I need to go get that one. You know, that one, that one lit my face on fire, but it would be interesting to like, you would probably have people drink more if it had, if it had less caffeine in it. That, and I think that it would just be people that are a little bit more conscious about it. It would be healthy for them. Because for me, like, not i like i like the feeling of caffeine everyone loves the feeling of caffeine after you get it Mm -hmm. 45 minutes later you're like i can fucking take on the whole world but you know um when i start to get aware i'm like hmm i do like the taste too like i really actually like the sensation of coffee so i could have something ritual of it the ritual Mm -hmm. i don't i can have something that doesn't have an insane amount of caffeine let's say 50 75 milligrams and i can get by with that Mm. just because i got the coffee in yeah i mean and we talk about sleep all the time so imagine being able to have like a, a cup of coffee toward you know closer to the end of the not i'll say the afternoon and not have to worry too much about it keeping you up decaf kind of makes it seem like you're giving up on life doesn't it <laughs> doesn't it make you feel like i mean it just for some reason like um well, i used to have decaf coffee here and there at my house but i don't know it just doesn't feel right like, what do you what am I, know? Like, what am I doing? I think if you, if you don't know it's decaf. Yeah, 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 right. It, it, it That's what I'm saying. If you had lower dosed caffeine products, you probably wouldn't even barely notice. You wouldn't. Maybe. You wouldn't. I kind of want to mix half and Holy half. Holy cow. Oh, we got a big boy on today. Jesus. That's a sick tap. It's not just the angle, I don't think. Cool. Is that better? That's yeah. Great. Well, that's fantastic. Perfect. So what's uh what's the word on the street in the NFL? What's going on out there? Are you uh, starting camp yet or anything like that? What's what's going on? Uh we're in off season right now. So we start camp uh July twenty seventh, a little bit later start this year. Um enjoy a little bit more of summer, but uh yeah, kind of the quiet time uh, up in Minnesota at <laughs> my uh parents' lake cabin. So just hanging out, uh training and relaxing, getting ready. What was uh last year like for you guys? Um, you know, with the uh, with what was going on, did, did, was it uh was it just weird and different and strange? Like maybe not having as many people in the in the stands and all those kinds of things. Yeah, that shit was really weird. Um, you know, it you went from having this crazy external motivation, um, mm-hmm. easy way to stay up. And then all of a sudden it's gone. So, you know, you really had to really had to find that internal motivation. Um, and, you know, it, it went from that first week, you know, the stadiums are figuring out like how much music they can play, when they could put the fake crowd noise in, what volume <laughs> they could put it in. So that first week in Buffalo, man, that that was tough. But uh, they everybody figured it out. And, you know, they once they got the music playing and the crowd going, uh, when there's some sort of noise, it was much easier and didn't feel quite like a uh, intramural scrimmage. Felt more like an NFL football game. I'm from New York, and uh, unfortunately, I have been a Jets fan <laughs> for a long, long time. And I texted my uncles last night. Both of them are coaches. One's a basketball coach. The other one's a high school football coach. And they said, please let Connor know the 45 years of pain that we've been suffering <laughs> so uh what's going on there with the jets organization are things uh things maybe going to pick up this year things going to maybe turn around oh yeah i think so you know the last couple of coaches um the jets have had have been more like those x's and o's gurus you know right. um and uh Saul is that you know leader of men that guy that can come in and turn something around and 
Um, he's going to build a culture more, um, you know, he's more focused on building the culture than he is on, uh, you know, having the sweetest play and he's going to dial, you know, he's going to dial up the coolest thing. He's more about, you know, we're going to play harder, faster, um, and longer than our opponent and, and, uh, keep the scheme relatively simple. <clears throat> so we know what we're doing 100% of the time, every play, um, and go from there. So. You know, I'm actually really curious, man. I'm I'm curious about a pro athlete's perspective uh, as far as like maybe NFL versus playing in college or playing in high school as far as football is concerned. Same thing with basketball. When you play in college or high school, like you kind of have a close relationship with your teammates because like you are the same age at school, there's camaraderie, blah, blah, blah. Right. But like when you get to the NFL and now, you know, you're older, you have a family, right? There's there's life, et cetera. Do you do 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 teammates actually have strong bonds or is it more of a professional thing where you get on the field you go do your thing i everyone's cool and then you're out uh you get a little bit of both you know there's a little bit of that in college like you kind of hung with your crew or whatever the nfl is a little bit the same way like you know obviously the closer team is um normally the better they are um and, you know, this offseason, especially as an offensive line, um, we've been really trying to, you know, build that camaraderie. Um, like we've been, <clears throat> if you uh, social media stuff, we've been going to a lot of like uh, Islander games. Uh, we've been going to dinners. We've been going, um, just doing whatever we can to, you know, get close to each other. And um, especially as an offense line, man, like there's five guys, but you're working as a unit. It's not, it's, um, you know, one you can't you get if you have one all star offense lineman, it doesn't matter. You know, that guy's going to get picked on games if his guard, if like, let's say you got this all world left tackle, if his guard's trash, you know, he's getting picked on games, he's gonna like, he's not going to be able to do what he does. Um, no team's just going to let him go one on one with the DN when they know he's the best cat on the old line. So, um, it takes all five, <clears throat> so you really do got to build that. Um, and then you get tight with other guys on the team. Um, you know, a uh, couple of us went golfing, you know, there's wide receivers, the quarterbacks are always really tight with the O-line, um, which is funny, the age thing. Um, we were, <clears throat> we all live, or a lot of us live in like an apartment complex, like really close to facilities. So there's like a pool and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, the wives went to dinner or whatever. We're all chilling by the pool, having a beer. And uh, Zach walks down. We're like, what up, Zach? We're talking to him. And, um, <clears throat> he doesn't really drink or nothing. So we're just chatting it up and, he was, I was like, what were you doing? He's like, oh, I was just upstairs playing VR. And we're all like, <laughs> who plays VR? We're, we're like stuck on the Xbox <laughs> we stuff. Do. And we're like, yeah, we're like, we're playing like Call of Duty and stuff. Like we just got off the sticks playing uh, Warzone. And then he's talking about VR. So he brings it down and most of us hadn't even played it. And so we're all like, it was funny. So you do get the age group, you know, and, um, and you know, I'm 28 which is young in a lot of worlds, but the NFL, it's starting to get up there um, going into year six. So definitely on the, the upper spectrum when a young cat's like, how many, how many years you've been playing? And I'm like, ah, oh, going into year six, like, man, that's crazy. I'm like, it's only six. Like it, it's not that long to be doing something, but mm. NFL, it's kind of a long time. So um, yeah, but so there is a little bit, but you definitely, you know, the better your team is, the closer you are as a team to get long, long winded answer for your question there. What's the, uh, what does the off season look like for you? <clears throat> what have you been working on this year? So summer, <laughs> summer's a little different. You know, we just came out of uh, OTAs and stuff. Um, so you've been, you know, 
it's an interesting thing because it's it's definitely a lots on the strength conditioning, but you also have plenty of football stuff. Um, so summer's kind of maintaining that. Um, you know, I, I like lifting head well, relatively heavy, not like what I used to do. Um, so I'm still, um, you know, squatting, benching, deadlifting, snatch clean, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of running, a lot of moving, just being keeping your movement up. Um, you know, we just spent. Um, well, it was like uh, eight, nine, 10, 12 weeks, whatever OTAs was, um, getting back in that football shape after, um, you know, three months off. So um, it's really this, these um, 40 days are really trying to maintain um, what you did and stay healthy and get ready for the season. Have you been a guy that has traditionally needed uh, like strength training and conditioning work? Uh, or when you were a kid, you just like mop everybody up regardless of how focused you were in the gym. That's a, uh, so I got a pretty long answer for this one. Um, so high school, I'm from North Dakota. Um, so that, you know, the t- overall talent and depth, like just ain't there compared to Cali or Texas or Florida, Bama, Mississippi. Um, so I was just, you know, I was bigger than everybody. I was still fast. I was strong. Um, you know, I competed in North Dakota weightlifting. So it was squat bench and clean power or cleans actually, because the, all the strength coaches came together and were like, deadlift's how you get hurt. So we didn't deadlift. <laughs> um, but so I just show up to the meet and I was, you know, bigger than everybody, stronger than everybody. I loved it. I love, I've been, you know, weight training since I was a little kid. Um, but <clears throat> I def- it definitely caught up to me sometimes. I'd be there and, you know, I wouldn't really want to do my box jumps after a squat or something. And um, my high school coach, um, fantastic guy, wouldn't be where I am today without Steve Lockway. Um, he comes up to me and he, he goes, uh, he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm working out. He goes, you've been sitting on that bench for five minutes now. I've been watching you. I was like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm getting my workout in. And he was like, you know, if you don't go D1, you're going to be ashamed of yourself. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I <clears throat> talked to NDSU, my offers coming in. He's like, no, like I'm talking power five. He's like, you're a power five talent. So that kind of like, you know, as, as embarrassed as I am to say it, you know, that was, I would little dog running a little bit. I would take the easy way just cause I was bigger, stronger and faster than everybody. Uh, but then I got to college and I was smaller, slower and weaker than everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I actually, I had the weight room. That's the only thing I had was like, I had good strength. And, uh, so then I like, I just, I dove in, you know, I, I was all in on, I was like, well, you know, I haven't had the experience cause I haven't been playing the same talent. You know, I gotta, I gotta <clears throat> make up ground somewhere. So, you know, I started, I was in the weight room so much. They're kicking me out of the weight room. Um, like they, they would, then I'd go to the rec center. They sent an intern to the rec center to get me out of the rec center. Um, so like, I, I just, I dove in, I was like, well, you know, strength is my strength. I'm just going to get stronger. Um, like I'm, you know, I can win all the cardio rep or all the sprinting reps. So I was like, my goal is to win every sprint. I was that dickhead that would just take <laughs> off running. And they're like, Oh, I'll run as a group. I was like, fuck these guys. I'm out of here. I'm going to be like, I got to be the best. Uh, so I mean, guys would always get mad. Like, I mean, they're my friends, but they'd be like, can't you slow down? I'm like, dude, like you guys are better than me when we go to practice. Like I got to win somewhere. Um, and then I'd like just hound my coaches, like, what can I do to get better? So I had a, like a desk chair in my room and I would just like take steps, um, before bed every night in college. Um, cause I was, I was behind the eight ball. I, I remember my senior year, I was one of the top like guards or centers projected in the draft. Um, and he was like, man, 
you know, when we recruited you out of North Dakota, we thought you'd be like a 290 pound center that maybe plays your fifth year. And I ended up, you know, not that I was a little bit better than that. So, uh, you know, it, it did, uh, again, long winded answer to answer your question, high school. Yeah, I was like, I enjoyed it. So I trained a lot. I've been, you know, I've been training since like fourth or fifth grade. Uh, I've been competing in powerlifting co- or powerlifting competitions since seventh grade, eighth grade, maybe. Um, I had a great strength and conditioning coach. He was actually a geared powerlifter. Um, and, you know, he was it. And a couple of times he was in um, the, that, uh, the, one of the powerlifting magazines. Um, so uh, I had great coaches all around me all the time. So i um, definitely got lucky that way and blessed that way. So yeah, how, definitely how much, how, was there. How much bigger were you? Cause like, you know, if you're in Fargo, North Dakota, <laughs> you know, is the kid across from you, you know, five, eight, one eighty, And, and how big were you in high school? Yeah. So North Dakota's North Dakota's definitely different. So I'd get like, there'd be like one or two guys on every team that was about my size. Um, now were they as athletic and strong as me? No. Um, but they were, you know, a couple of them were my size, but then the rest of them were, you know, five, 10, five, 11, um, 180 to 200 pounds. Uh, like we had, um, for our division, we had one of the bigger offensive lines in state in the state and we did a different because of the scheme we ran. So our tackles were small and quick and then you just got bigger. Um, so like our left tackle was like six, one hundred and ninety. Left guard was well. I just the other guard. I guess it wasn't really left and right. You kind of just rotated to where the play was going. Um, the other guard, um, uh, Matt Martino. He's he's actually a power lifter um, now, and he was at West Point, and he was on the West Point powerlifting mm-hmm. team. Um, but anyway, so he was the other guard, and I think he was like you know six two, two twenty, two thirty in high school. Um, the center went on to play college ball. He was about six three, um, two fifty. Uh, then it was me and I was six four, two seventy five. but I could have been, I could have been, uh, I could have easily been 300 pounds, but I got weighed like every day. Cause I had to play both ways. Um, so my coach was like, Hey, you're not coming off the field. So you're going to weigh 275 <laughs> oh, so you can be on the field. So I, I came off the field for kickoff and kick return else I was on the field. Um, so I could have easily, which is kind of funny. So I, I got a call from, uh, Wisconsin, who was like my school growing up. It was like Wisconsin and Notre Dame were who I grew up loving. And, uh, call from Wisconsin. It was when Brett Bielmo was the head coach and he just loved monster offense alignment. When he was at Wisconsin or Arkansas, his offense, I was like 350. And he calls me or the assistant line coach called me. He's like, Hey, how much do you weigh? I was like, ah, I'm 275. He's like, any way you could weigh 300 pounds? I'm like, yeah, but. I'd have to go run my ass off at practice. Like I can easily get there. And he's like, ah, you know, Brett Bielmo only let us offer a guy that's 300 pounds. And I was like, I can, like, I wasn't fat at 275. Like I was in shape. And, um, so <clears throat> anyways, so yeah, it's 275, 64, 275. My, I think I got there my sophomore year. Um, freshman year, I was like six three, two thirty, And then sophomore year, I hit a big, <laughs> big spurt and, was yeah six four big boy two seven two yeah always been big my whole life i've been big you know i had to fourth grade's the first year that they you know you can wear pat or you have padded football in north dakota and i had to cut weight i remember i'll I'll never forget this i was 
been cutting weight for months. I was going into the weigh-in and I hadn't eaten in like two days. I was crying. <laughs> My dad's like, you got to make this weight or you got to play it. And so it goes fourth grade and then it goes fifth and sixth graders are the next age group. Cause I think there's a big fall off between fourth and anyways. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to play up two years if I didn't make this weight. So I'm like crying. I'm like naked in front of all these like moms bringing their kids in. And um, I'm like, and I made it by like, you know, barely like <laughs> a quarter of a pound. My dad's like, all right, we'll go get you a cheeseburger. Just put your pants on. Let's roll. So um, yeah, I've always been a, always been a big kid. Oh man. So, uh, when you, so in high school, you, you played offensive line and then when you got to college, was that just the plan or did they have to move you around? And the reason why I ask is because it seems like, um, young athletes, especially their parents, uh, want them to focus on like, no, you're, you know, you're the quarterback. Like that's all you do. And they, you're going to, you're going to quarterback camp or whatever it may be. And then they get to college and someone's like, ah, actually, no, you're, you're going to have to be on special teams or something. So I'm curious, was that the same, um, situation for you or you just a a big dude? And they're like, no, we know exactly where to put you. (laughs) So I actually, I love D line. So high school, like growing up high school, I loved playing D line. Like I loved getting after the quarterback, making the big tackle, you know, making the goal line stand. Um, and so I played both ways. So, um, I, I always wanted to go and be a D lineman in college and I would go to college camp and to get recruited on North Dakota, you have to go to camps. Right. So like June, July, I was grinding to like college camps and to get noticed. And I'd like go to the D line Indy and then the old line coach and I'd be headed to the old line Indy and the old line coach would be like, you're going to, you know, you're an old lineman. Like when we go to one-on-ones, like you play online. I was like, yeah, coach, but like, I, I really like D line. And every single camp I went to every single coach, was like you're an offense line. I was like, <laughs> yeah, but nah, you're an offense line. I was like, all right, all right, I'll play a line. So uh, I learned to love it in college, you know, high school, the line I thought was like kind of boring just because I was bigger and faster and stronger. So I just grabbed dudes, throw them out of the way. I was like, this isn't fun. Like this isn't, mm-hmm. wasn't all that challenging. I loved like chasing down a running back, getting after the quarterback, defeating a double team. Um, so once I got to college and it was actually like incredibly hard and challenging for me, um, then I learned to, to love the position. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's, that's such a, a bad thing that parents do to their kids these days is force them into one thing. Uh, if you ask any athlete, uh, especially the b- good ones, like they'll tell you to play every sport. You know, when you see an offensive lineman, you can tell if that kid grew up as a wrestler, you can tell if that kid grew up playing basketball. Um, you can always tell like what a guy did before. Like we have a guy in our, he's a tackle. He's from Cal or he's from Georgia. Um, Chuma is his name. And uh, he, he grew up playing soccer and he has the fastest feet you've ever seen. Like he's just, he has the, like when he does a pass set or run, like, his feet are so fast and so quick. Um, and you don't get that. If you just sat in practice offensive line, you weren't getting that same stimulus to have faster feet than everybody. So, um, you know, I, you know, when I start having kids and ha- like, they'll, they'll play as many sports as I can get them into. Um, Cause it just, you have to develop your, uh, be a entire, like your whole athletic ability has to be developed for when you're young to be a, to be a good athlete in whatever profession you want to be a professional athlete in. What I was curious about, man, is like how you went about the mindset of dealing with your weaknesses because you came from a place where you were the biggest guy, where you were the best guy, and then you get thrown into situations, uh, not like in college especially, uh, but then the pros where like like you are now 
like, yeah, you are bigger and strength is still your strength. But now there's a lot of more glaring weaknesses because there's so many people that have your same skill set. Um, there's a lot of people that have better, better skill set than you in certain areas. So what like how did you switch gears to be like, huh, I'm not the biggest fish of the pond anymore now? How like what what did you do to get better? Like, how did you turn that on if it wasn't on already? Um, I just the coaches I had. Um, so Mizzou, um, and, and Pat Ivy, who, in my opinion, is one of the best strength coaches, um, to ever do it. You know, um, he, you know, his crew would go up to West side at least once a year, um, back in like the two, early two thousands to 2010. So like the, the first decade of the two thousands, um, either him or someone from his tree, uh, one like head strength coach. And so he kind of, they do this huge mental side or they did, um, of like, you know, um, like being positive and, and how to, t- and I guess I, I, um, I was just born with that drive that I wanted to be the best at, um, something, um, and I, you know, it still drives me, you know, I haven't, I haven't been all pro or pro bowl. I haven't won a super bowl, which is the biggest one. And, um, you know, you get into year six and people ask me like, you know, do you still love it? And I'm like, yeah, I think about it every day I wake up, you know, there's, I, it drives my wife nuts because it's off season and I want to get stuff done in the afternoon. Um, but I set my alarm for six. so I can get my workout in. Like I just, um, I think I got lucky and I was born with it. Um, and I just have this drive inside to be the best. Um, another thing though, is like the coaches I've had, the positive, um, psychology stuff. And just, you know, I, like my head coach and high school he was big on that positive mindset um so he'd always like make us read books and stuff um so i i really got you know i had a head start on the the mental strength side and i think besides my natural drive to be the best which i get from my grandpa who's a very incredibly successful businessman he actually he was a college football player and wrestler the big fish in a little pond saying is one of my favorites because he sat me down before i was gonna leave he's like one of the biggest boosters of um, a college here, um, you know, all American for him. And he was like, Hey, Con-, and they're NAIS. He's like, Connor, like, you know, you're going to head out. You're going to go from a big fish in a little pond here to a very little fish in a very big pond. He was like, there's a chance you're going to get swallowed up and never play a snap at Mizzou. He's like, I don't know why you just don't stay home, play four years here, you know, set a bunch of records and come work on the farm and come work for the family. I was like, grandpa, I just, I can't like, I've, I've been working for the scholarship for the last four years and I got it and I'm going to go make the most of it. So, um, you know, I, between the coaches, my parents just instilling that, like my dad, you know, always had to be the best at everything, whether it was dirt biking or wakeboarding, snowboarding, skiing, like my dad's always has to be the best at it. Um, so I just had a been blessed with having a lot of people that, you know, are addicted to being the best around me. And, um, so yeah, I just, um, but I always like tell kids if I'm like talking to a camp or whatever is, you know, it's who you have around you is how successful you're going to be. And then definitely don't let anybody, uh, tell you what you like control, what you're going to be. Um, cause you know, my grandpa's one of the best guys ever incredibly successful. Um, and you know, he was telling me like, Hey, you know, I don't know if you can go hack it with the big boys. Like you're from far North Dakota. And, you know, I put that aside and I was like, grandpa, like I can do this, you know? And, um, he wasn't being mean about it. He was being realistic. He didn't want me to go and burn (laughs) five years of riding the bench and hating my life. And, you know, he wanted me to, 
he wanted me to be successful and he wanted me to play a lot of football and have fun doing it. And, um, and so I, you know, I told, I saw that I didn't take that. I, I took that as motivation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, well, you know, everybody's thinking I'm going to go and ride the pine for five years. Like I'm going to go out and do what I can. And so I'd be in coach's office at 6am. I'd be the first one into the weight room, last one out. Um, so yeah, it's still a huge combination of things that led to where I am today. I think uh, sometimes in being a parent or I would imagine being a grandparent that you, uh, you sometimes view your child as, you know, when they were like little, you know, and so grandpa's right. probably thinking like, <laughs> you know, I've been around when this kid's pooping his pants and he's seen you exactly. cry and get upset and get frustrated with different things. And so he's probably just like out of just pure love, probably just like, man, I just want to protect you and try to give you this advice. So he's just trying to give you uh, the best advice possible that he thought was, you know, uh, going to be something that would help you a lot. I'm I'm wondering, uh, have you ever had a welcome to the NFL moment, like mm. where someone just whooped your ass and you're like, what the fuck was that? Like where it was too fast or too strong, or you maybe just didn't uh, understand, you know, what the other team was doing, you know, play wise. And you just got, you just got overwhelmed or something like that. Oh yeah. That happens like once a game, <laughs> uh, the NFL is like, the NFL is such a crazy, like the, the people that you see in the NFL are just absolutely unbelievable. Like I wish people could, you just only see it on game day and you see them going against the best. Like I just wish people could like see what these guys can do. So I got a couple of good stories. So like the biggest hit I've ever received and it was my third game starting, we're playing, uh, the Redskins and Kerrigan. I was guard. I was right guard. I set on my D tackle. The D tackle kind of like gives me like a shiver and stops. And I was like, Oh shit, there's a twist coming. And I open up and before I could get there, the tackle didn't even touch Kerrigan. He ear holed me so uh-huh. hard. <laughs> I flew a call across the line of scrimmage and I landed and I look up and I'm staring at the other tackle. So he knocked me all the way across the line of scrimmage. I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's wild. So, um, but then my rookie year before I started, just the craziest thing. I mean, they, as they kind of playing scout teams, they had me at tackle, which is not what I'm built for. Um, but I was kind of like filling in for this one practice and I was going against Vaughn and Vaughn and I, you know, pretty good buddies. Um, and we'd always sit and talk about hunting or whatever. And, so we get on the line of scrimmage and while they're, you know, they're going through the cadence, mom's like, Hey, I'm going to do this move to you. Try to stop it. They're like, all right, cool. I got this. Like, I know exactly what Vaughn's going to do. He would do it. And I couldn't even touch him. I'm like, this dude is so insane. I knew exactly what he was going to do. I planned on how I was going to stop it. Still couldn't stop it. So like you just get such freak of natures that there's not a lot you can do sometimes. And um, like another thing on Vaughn, I remember it was like late in the game. It's like third down we needed a stop and the old line's kind of standing there watching. Uh, and we're all looking, we all like each other like, Ooh, you see Vaughn right there. Vaughn's like doing that thing. I was like, this tackle is going to get broke off. And all of a sudden Vaughn did some shit we've never seen before. Disgustingly freak of nature ability and goes to sacks quarterback. We win the game. So it's like, you could just like sometimes look at a guy and be like, yo, yeah, he's about to wreck somebody's day right here. Just cause it's the NFL. It's yeah. It happens every game. It's insane. That's it's wild. Insane. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of cheesy to say it now, but you know, NFL stands for not for long. You're six years in. Um, 
we we hear about like the uh, the O linemen and the the D linemen how every time they clash it's like a car accident, um, you know then the, the CTE and all that stuff. Um, how the heck have you been able to stay in the game so long at this elite level? Um, do you credit it to the you know the lifting, the training, or just do you do something better for recovery? Uh, I think a lot of it. Well, there's a lot of factors. Um, been lucky. Um, you know, knock on wood, haven't had many uh, major injuries. Um, all injuries I could come back from. Um, I think a lot of it for myself is the lifting, and I think a lift Olympic lifting has been huge for me. Um, really handling that, you know, heavy load under like you know max flexibility, I think has been huge for me. Um, so you know, catching that snatch in in the bottom, like a very deep snatch with my arms overhead, you know, it's it's a lot of stress on your shoulders. But when your shoulders learn how to take, um, you know, a lot of weight, you know, a little bit of an awkward, like it, obviously it's safe. Like my trap, you know, my scap, my the muscles are taking most of the load. But it's your hips when you're catching that, like you know, ass to ankles type of catch and i i mean my best snatch was like 350 i think mm, um cool. so like out and i snatch up to at least 275 every time i snatch so um, it's a lot of load and a, a big flexible position so i think my joints are used to getting into that flexion under heavy load um and then also i do a lot of olympic, olympic lifting so like my for the head injuries the ct and that kind of stuff i've actually another knock on wood haven't had a concussion so um i think a lot of that is i do a lot my traps are um, I really do a lot of work on them with the cleans and the pulls and the deadlifts and the snatches. So I do have a little bit bigger traps, um, but that definitely helps with the, um, cause like for us, you know, it's all like, you know, I get this big, like Neanderthal rim on my forehead from like my helmet pushing down during season. Um, but it's like most of ours is like front head impact. So, you know, the muscles here and your traps are helping control that. Um, you know, I think if, so if I do get ear hold or something, I get hit in the side of the head. It's it's a totally different feeling, and I don't feel so good after those. Um, where like a wide receiver and running back, they take a lot more of those shots than we do. Um, so um, it is a big um, big difference there. But yeah, you know, I but between the way I train, recover, obviously, it, it's funny when people really don't know about like recovery. They go like you know, in season, like, what do you like? Oh yeah. You know, I get two massages. I get needles. I do all this. Like, Oh, that must be nice. I'm like, Oh no, you don't understand. These massages are painful. Like this is not a foo foo hot rock. I'm going to make you feel good about yourself. Massage. Like the masseuse is like laughing if they make you cry. Like this is not a nice thing, but so yeah, you know, we definitely do all that kind of stuff. And the older I get, uh, the more time I seem to spend in the training room, just making myself feel better. Um, or my body feel better. So yeah, it's, it's everything at this point in uh, my career. It's um, yeah. Gotta, I like to move a lot of weight and I've definitely had to humble myself a lot and, you know, keep telling myself I'm not a power lifter. I'm a football mm-hmm. player. So um, yeah, definitely been a learning, learning experience these last couple off seasons. No, it's funny. Uh, I, I guess, I guess and when, when you look at some people in the fitness industry, when they talk about like athletes or professional athletes, especially in the NFL, um, first, I don't think they realize how freakish these athletes are or the way they can move or how big and strong they are. But a lot of people just have the, this idea that, oh, all, a majority of the athletes on the NFL are on some type of drugs or PEDs or whatever. And it's just like, do you not realize that the caliber of human that reaches that level, like they don't need that shit. They're just like all freaks. Like when you were talking about your freshman weight, 
what, <laughs> six two two thirty? Like it, that makes no sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, like <clears throat> you like look at a Von Miller. He's just like, you look at like Von's quads and he is like bodybuilder or like the physique category. Like his quads look like that, but he doesn't really squat. He like, he does some squats every once in a while. He does a lot more mobility stuff. He's just built like that. Like, um, everybody always says he's kind of like Gumby. So if you put like a, a folding table up, right? Like, you know, like a card table, Vaughn can damn near run full speed, get to the table, duck underneath it and stand back up and not lose a mile per hour. Like he's that flexible and he can move that fast <laughs> under flexibility. Like no drug's going to let you do that. Like right. there's nothing, there's nothing you could put into your body. That's going to allow you to do that. And that's just who he is. Or like, um, just there's just guys that can like walk into a weight room and like, you know, they're, you know, they got a bad shoulder or whatever. So they don't really bench very much and they're not taking anything, but they get under the party. There's like, yeah, throw three fifteen on. I'm like, dude, you haven't benched in like three months. Like, yeah, I think I can do it. Knock out 10 reps. Like, all right, we'll see you later. And they walk out of the weight room. You're like, you're just, they're just gifted. Like there's a lot of, somebody just asked me like how many guys in the NFL are like gifted athletes and how many of them work hard. It's a, depending on what you recruit, like a team brings in, but there's a lot of, you got to have both. Like you're, it's, you're going to get to the, you can get to the NFL and God given talent, but then you got to work hard to, you know, maintain it. And then, but it's really hard to get there without any God given something, um, whether it's God given speed or size or arm length or what it like, you got to have something God had to give you something. Um, and so, yeah, like, and I mean, we get drug tests all the time. I, I got to type into a website wherever I travel so they can drug test me wherever I go. So yeah, like the NFL knows I'm in Park Rapids, Minnesota at my parents like place. Cause if they wanted to, they could send somebody from Minneapolis over to drug test me at any time. So Vaughn Miller is a ridiculous, completely ridiculous athlete. Um, but it's no coincidence that he uses a slingshot. Have you ever used, uh, yeah. uh, have, ever, have you ever used a slingshot yourself? Oh yeah. Uh, so I actually, um, have DM'd slingshot a bunch on Instagram, especially when I was a poor college kid <laughs> and you guys were awesome and sent me a whole bunch of care packages. We actually used them in college. Um, so you guys sent me knee sleeves and, uh, I always seem to have hamstring problems. So I use a lot of the hammy bands. Cool. Um, we actually, I mean, and you, as you know, uh, being friends with justice, we right. use a ton at, in the jets, um, hip circles every day. Um, I love the slingshot I've had. Um, I had a shoulder surgery and tore my pack in college. So I use a slingshot a ton recovering from those two injuries. Um, I use, I use the gangster apps every time I bench. Uh, yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, big, big, big fan of slingshot. Use it a ton. I have a jacked and tan tank. I wish yes. I would have known where it is. I would have put it on. So no, I've been a big fan of, uh, you guys for a long time. Um, what do you think about Vaughn Miller giving you a makeover, having him dress you? Because he wears some really amazing <laughs> outfits. I don't think I could pull that off. I, uh, <laughs> I, I have my own type of I have my own type of swag. Not I don't have Vaughn swag. So yeah, he's a pretty pretty remarkable dresser. That's for sure. Outside of like, because like right now, I'm guessing you're not in season, but what do you do uh, or wh- wh- where do you spend your time um, outside of training and outside of focusing on stuff when it comes to sport? Do you have other things that you are really interested in? Other things that like you plan on doing going into af- like more after you get out of the NFL? 
Yeah. So um, besides like the football and the training aspect, um, my favorite hobby is cars. I'm a huge car guy. I love everything, buying, selling, modifying, racing, cruising, anything to do with cars. I love. Um, and, and then, you know, my family uh, farms potatoes and sells John Deere tractors. So um, in the in the early spring, when we're not doing anything, I come back here and, um, you know, help out and try to learn a thing or two. That and, probably doesn't surprise um, your teammates that you're a farm boy. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So, um, yeah, so that's what I kind of do, you know, because I want to come back and farm and stuff. So, I, you know got to learn that trade too. And, um, but then besides, you know, my favorite hobby of cars and learning my, you know, next adventure after football is just hanging out with friends, family, my wife, um, our two dogs, um, just kind of doing everyday stuff. And, um, you know, I, I don't worry too much about like, um, cause some, you know, some people like act like, Oh, you should like, they're like, they'll see me like, you know, riding a bike or I'll wake surf or, you know, ride a go-kart or something. And they're like, don't you have to like, aren't, if you get hurt, won't you like, I'm like, I mean, they could like the way it's written in our contract is if you get hurt doing anything, um, not everyday activities. So like, if you got in a car accident, you know, you're covered, but if you go out and you know, you're hooping and you tear your ACL that the team doesn't legally have to cover you. Mm. Um, so like if I was, you know, Wakes are, I don't know if anybody's wake are, but it's one of like the safest activities to do on the water. You're going like eight miles an hour. You're behind a boat. Like it's super safe, but you know, let's say some jet skier comes and hits me. Well, cause they weren't paying attention or lost control. You'd see those videos all the time on YouTube. They run into boats and shit, but um, then technically they wouldn't have to cover. Like I could lose my, um, uh, my contract and I could lose health insurance. So it's like, you know, you can't, but I'm not going to live my life as a hermit just because something might happen. And for the most part the teams, like, unless you're being super ridiculous, they're not going to cut you off of that kind of stuff. But like, if you've had problems of like, you're constantly playing basketball and you're constantly getting hurt playing basketball, you know, they might have a problem with that. Um, but, um, so yeah, you know, after, when I'm not training and doing football, just, you know, doing what everybody else does. And, um, I love, you know, being at the lake, being, I hang out with friends, family, wife, and doing a lot of a uh, little bit more probably on the extreme end of sports with like the go-karts, wake surfing and all that kind of stuff. That's what I grew up doing. Grew up being a uh, dirt bike racer. So, Oh, shoot. Dude, uh, you have, yeah. you, you got to tell us about the R34, your GTR. I just saw it on your Instagram. That shit looks sick. Yeah. So my R34 GTR is, uh, um, it's my like car that I go to the track. So I don't like race cars, um, but I go to the track every once in a while. Um, I will like, they have like a racetrack has like, they call it DE days or open track days. So I go and, you know, go out, race around. There'll be like Porsches out there, Corvettes, whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a fully built um, RB was, you know, stroked out to RB 28. Jesus. Um, has like 750 horsepower, all four <laughs> wheels. It's, it's pretty fun. It's my, it's, it's my, one of my babies for sure. It's, it's my baby. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the, uh, the, the new one that you have, but I'm just always a fan of the, the old school JDM stuff. Um, I used to, I used to drift two forties back in the day, but I don't know, man, if you, if you ever have a chance, uh, Thunder Hill Raceway up here in Northern California is pretty sick. We definitely, we still have Infineon, which is an amazing track, but, um, 
I'm always partial to Thunder Hill because that's where I that's where I blew one of my engines, and then you know <laughs> I, I had a lot of memories yeah. on that track. Yeah, I'm a big uh, big JDM guy, so I got uh, you know one of my big things in the uh, that I do in my spare time is invest in a JDM importer dealership. So I mean, I got I got the Varus demo car Supra coming in um, from Japan in like a week, um, so that'll um, be up for sale because I'm, I'm a gtr guy so i got like the r32 r33 r34 r35 <laughs> um all for different things got yeah i got big car guy big that's car so guy. sick dude yeah. i'm looking at the uh the super yeah. right now that shit's incredible Gotta yeah check it'll out. be it'll be sick and it, it'll be but it, you know it's i'm not a huge super guy so mm-hmm. i kind of got it at a you know good price and i was like i'm importing it so yeah It'll be be up for sale here soon, and somebody that loves supers will, you know, have a lot better time with it than I will. Got to check out Provost Motorsports. You ever seen those guys? Yeah, we'll yeah, yep. That's that's my buddy Sean uh, Provost. He's got he's way into a lot of that stuff. He races cars, and he's got like the, I think he has one of the fastest cars in the world. He's got like a he bought a brand new Porsche not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. There's my dad's a big Porsche racer. He races uh PCA. You know, we grew up racing dirt bikes. Um, my dad's broken his neck twice um, oh, on two wheels. So yeah. So he's moved to four wheels, which seems to be <laughs> a little safer. So um, yeah, the family's big time, you know, racers, gearheads, stream sports, the X, you know, growing up, the X games was like our super bowl. You know, <laughs> we would, we loved the X games. It's all we, all we would watch. So yeah. I'm just curious if I was a young athlete listening in and I was like listening to what you were talking about, I'd be wondering what are like some of the big skills that I need to focus on really trying to build like in, in, you know, being a teenager. Right. So like weightlifting, et cetera. What, what do you think are some big pillars that a young football player should try to go into college, having a good amount of experience with, I know positions are different and stuff, but there should be some common through lines where you don't want to be in college and like, I don't know shit about this. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, there's, uh, there's some obvious ones. Like you, you, you need to have some understanding of the weight room. Um, you don't want to be that kid that, you know, you get a deal on scholarship being on the weight room and you got, everybody's like hitting, I mean, I can't say a perfect form squat, but like everybody's hitting, you know, at least parallel depth and you're doing quarter squats. Cause you thought like, um, squats are bad for your knees or you go to bench and you don't, you, you do have to find that full range of motion. You do have to just have basic understanding of strength. And, um, and I think the biggest thing is, um, you, you gotta like, you need to find a good coach to just get the base down. Um, like I think a great story is, uh, uh, pretty Travis mash. He's the, uh, he had that kid, that high school kid that did like that awful clean, and everybody was just ragging on this kid on and on social media. And you're like, well, clearly the kid has never been coached. Like the dude was 15, 16, 17. Like, so Travis like grabbed him and started coaching him virtually and got the kid like going right. And so I think that from a strength standpoint is, is a super important. And, and I think most high schools nowadays, um, you know, high schools have caught up to college, which caught up to the NFL. You got to have a good strength coach. Most of them have like weightlifting courses. I know, I went to a small Catholic school in far North Dakota and we had weightlifting co- or, uh, classes and we have a great training conditioning program. And then obviously base of conditioning and base running form. But the, the one that I like to get to that people don't focus on and lose so much is flexibility. 
there is a ton of cats in the NFL that are, you know, you watch them in the weight room, you're like, this cat's a professional offense lineman. Like, you think of offense lineman, you think of bench pressing 500 pounds, squatting 600, but this kid can like rep 225 for like 10 or 12. Like, this kid can barely squat 405, but you put him on the football field and he's so flexible and he has power under that in odd positions and he never loses a rep. Cause you just like, he can get into any odd position he can, but he's so fluid and he's so flexible and he's so smooth that he's just going to get back in the right spot where you get some cat, you go into a weight room and the dude like has no arch in his back and he's just flat back legs up bench and five fifteen for <laughs> 10, but he goes out on the field and he stiff as a board and he has no flexibility and he can't block shit. Like, you know, one out of 10 reps, He's going to throw his hands and hit a dude in the chest. and The dude's going to fall over and be like, wow, that was, that was fucking superhuman. But the other nine reps, the guy's going to give him something quick and he's going to look like an idiot. So I think the most important, and it's with any position, like you need the strength, you need the speed, but you get people get so focused on that, that they lose the flexibility and the fluidness of being a professional athlete. Um, Cause you look at any sport and you're like, damn, that was smooth or damn, that was cool. And whatever is cool is normally cause it was, smooth and fluid and it looks sick um and that's just you know most sports people if you're the really good ones which is also a god-given talent like i was talking with vaughn or whoever like if you're really or good offensive line first uh guy to look at that's super flexible is uh zach martin with the cowboys um they also call him gumby because he'll be like one foot in the air like a hand in an awkward spot and he's like bent in half but he's still blocking the guy because he's so flexible and he has and his his movement's so good so you know i think a lot of high school kids get caught up in being the fastest or the quickest or the strongest and they lose the flexibility that it, that it takes to be a professional athlete what has uh given back to your community done for you i know that you're involved in some charities and stuff like that um what has that done for you over the years oh it's it's been huge. You know, I've really gotten into it the last two years. Uh, coronavirus kind of killed it the first year we were going to do it, but it's, um, it's called the able games. Um, clearly I'm a huge competitive guy. I've made my living off of, um, love and competition. Um, so I wanted to give back and like, and something that I love, you know, like, um, so that we, <laughs> the TNT, which is a, um, kids, uh, gymnastics gym was what it started out to be. Um, so the la- over the last, you know, 20 years, they figured out that a gymnastics gym has the right equipment to help um, people with special needs um, get physical activity. Cause in this people with special needs are the biggest, one of the biggest problems, just like in everyday life or, you know, an able-bodied person is obesity. Um, they just don't have that ability to go out and move because, you know, a gym could be dangerous for them. They don't know like the sensory stuff. So um, TNT started doing it with the gymnastics gyms. Well, then they kind of moved in and realize like a CrossFit gym where you can scale something to no matter if you're a cross, like a games athlete or you're, you know, have a, a bound to a wheelchair, you can compete in some sort of way. So the able games, a fitness competition that has people with special needs and, you know, to games athletes competing on the same floor. Um, and it's to raise money for TNT so they can, you know, reach out to more schools, to more, you know, group homes, get more people um, in and also to raise money so um, we can go out and we can make a program um, to, you know, implement it where, you know, like your gym could get a trainer certified or like look like get our certification and, and get our training. And then you can have like, you know, you know, that like 
weird like well you have a bunch of pileupters you guys are like busy all day but you know like a lot of gyms have that lull hour where like Mm -hmm. not professional fitness people are not working out so they can fill their gym with you know a group of people with special needs to come in and you can coach them and get them moving once or twice a week um it's been really it's been awesome so we've had our first competition we um raised over a million dollars we had 150 athletes competing um and to see somebody doing like a 225 shoulders to overhead and then a young man in a wheelchair doing um, shoulders to overhead with a PVC pipe right next to each other going rep for rep was, it was sweet. Like it was, it was way sicker than we could have imagined. Like we knew it was going to be a cool event and help a lot of people and it was going to be great. But the act to actually witness that at the same time going on was um, way more special than we could have ever imagined. So um, it's been a great experience. Um, it's been something that my wife and I like to do in our free time to, you know, it's turning it, it's, it's, you know, really kind of taken off and growing and a lot of people are getting involved and want to help. So, um, you know, I, we're going to try to take it to the moon. So we're excited. Sick. Um, I kind of want to revisit that conversation you had with your, your grandfather. Um, I feel like there's hundreds of thousands of stories similar to yours where, you know, you're the big kid in high school and, you know, somebody tells you like, Hey, college is a whole nother animal. And that same kid's like, no, I'm going to show you that small fish goes to the big pond and they don't end up playing for the New York jets. You had mentioned, you know, working hard, you had mentioned God given talent, but is there something different about you that was able to, you know, not be the strongest guy or I guess you were the strongest guy, but not be the best guy on the team anymore and still kind of overcome all these adversities where other athletes, they, they have that, they think they're going to do that. But it just seems like you had something extra. Can you, and then maybe Mark and Nsima can help me formulate this question better, but like, is there something else about you? And is there something else about pro athletes that take all this adversity and just flip it around and just overcome everything that is, that just comes their way? Yeah, the, the perseverance aspect of being a, a professional athlete. I don't know how to, I've thought about this actually a lot. Like, I don't know how to, you know, train somebody to persevere. You know, I have seen that guys that come from, um, and actually it's kind of funny. So I um, told you my grandpa was a successful business man. So like I, you know, my family has, um, you know, we're not hurting for our next meal on our plate. And that was actually my biggest knock um, coming into the NFL. So my, uh, rookie year in the NFL, it's like week two. I was kind of like, I was, I made the 53, but like, I wasn't getting like any reps as like with the, you know, first team. And I thought like I had a pretty good camp. So I go, I was like, Hey, I texted my coach. I was like, Hey coach, could I come talk to you? It was like a Wednesday, like before practice or before meetings, um, and just see where I can improve. He was like, yep, be in my office at seven. I was like, perfect. So I get, I get there, you know, 6.55. I walk in. I'm like, hey, coach, how's it going? He's like, good. How are you doing? I was like, good. He was like, so what's up? I was like, you know, um, you know, I, you know, we got a couple injuries. Like, I'm wondering what I got to do to kind of get my foot in the door so I can maybe get a, a rep with the ones here, there, um, and maybe, you know, start playing. And he was like, well, I, I don't, I don't think you'll ever play for me. And I was like, uh, why is that? He's like, uh, well, you, you come from money, so I think you're going to quit on me in the fourth quarter. 
And I was like, uh, did I quit in college? Did you ever see that on my phone? He was like, no, your college film is pretty good. You always worked hard, didn't matter the score of the game. You know, you fought through it. I was like, okay. I was like, did I quit in camp? He's like, no, you had a really good camp, I thought. You know, you're a better player than I thought you were. I was like, okay, so like, how can I get on? He's like, well, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't trust somebody that, that comes from money. He's like, here, look, I literally wrote it in my draft book. So he pulls out this big binder of all the offense linemen in my draft, flips the page to Connor McGovern, and he starts reading. He's like, I don't believe he'll play it. He'll make it in the NFL. I think he comes from money. He doesn't know how to work hard. He doesn't know how to persevere. And um, I don't, you know, I don't want, I don't think we should pick him, but they drafted me anyways. And I was like, so there's nothing I I can do. He's like, Nope. I was like, all right, I will see you later. And I walked out of his office. I called my agent. And I was like, uh, we might need to try to find a new team. And he was like, you're stuck. He was like, you're there for the next four years until they cut you. Um, so, so I was like, well, and I, I want, and actually I, I was like, you know, sir, uh, we're farmers. Like we got lucky with some really good years. <laughs> we have some really bad years. Like nothing was just given to me you know, didn't matter how much money was in the bank account. We're still blue collared farmers. Like we're not gonna, my parents didn't spoon feed me shit. Like, you know, we're farmers. And, um, so yeah, so back to your, like, I, I guess I grew up with that. Like, you know, we had some really tough years in the farming growing up and I, you know, I don't know how to coach perseverance, but when my coach said that, you know, I was the type of person where that just made me work harder you know, that made me set my alarm clock a half hour earlier. So I was the first guy in the building, you know, sitting in the hot tub when like I was in the hot tub before the, like, right as the first athletic trainer was walking in, you know, my car was one of the first cars in the parking lot. So instead of that, you know, bringing me down and putting me in a slump and I started playing poorly or I, I just didn't, I lost belief in myself or what have you, you know, it made me work harder. So I, I don't know how to, I've definitely thought of it before. Cause I wish I could say something to like a group of kids and be like, Hey, you know, when it gets tough, you just got to get here and get in this mindset to do this. So you could, I, I don't know. I, you know, I think I could, if I could harness that, I think I could be a, a really rich man and sell a lot of books. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a great question. And it's something that, um, I don't know if you guys have any insight on how, you know, to, to word that better. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but it's just a perseverance aspect that a lot of professional athletes have. Um, and I just saw the trailer for the new Kurt Warner movie. Um, and I mean, he's his story. He's persevered through more shit than anybody I've ever seen to get to the NFL. So, um, yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. I Um, think, uh, it's just perseverance. I think your interpretation of uh, being discriminated against was to just work harder and prove yourself. Oh, you think this of me, uh, maybe because of the color of your skin and maybe because of your, your background potentially, you know, it's, these are all things that somebody thought of you. Um, They were preconceived notions that the guy had a hard time letting go of. And you're like, well, I guess the only way to, there's nothing else you can do about it. I mean, uh, what are you going to do? Right. Are, are you going to quit? Because if you quit, <laughs> you know, he's like, all right, well, there's, there's the proof. Um, but if you show him, you show your, your, um, your fellow uh, teammates and stuff like that, what a team, what a great teammate you are. 
I mean, after a while, it just becomes undeniable. Um, did you eventually end up playing for that coach or did you end up uh, going to a different team? No, I didn't end up playing for him. He, um, the head coach, Gary Kubiak, ended up kind of getting sick that year and he retired as the head coach. And a new head coach came in and they brought in a new offensive line coach. Um, yeah, so I actually had, after that, I had coaches um, that were on the previous staff on that staff came up to uh, came up to me and was like, Hey, like, you know, I apologize for how that guy treated you. Like, you know, what he would say in the meetings really like, so you'd go up to like the meetings. So like in the NFL, I gave a practice, all the coaches sit around a table with like the GM and the head scout or whatever, and the head coach and they go through practice. They talk about each guy. And I guess like he would just dog on me. And so even if I had a good play, he would like kind of cover it up. Um, so yeah, it's it kind of crazy, but, um, and just with what you were saying, um, made me think of it a little bit is yeah you know i wanted to it was like a chip on my shoulder whether it was you know my grandpa saying it out of love or this coach saying it out of a preconceived notion i just took oh you you know you might not make it put that chip on my shoulder and carried it and just worked harder because i wanted to prove everybody wrong um so i yeah it's an interesting um thing about how your brain works and how different people you know take information in and then make it how it, how they, you know, interpret it makes them do something. So, um, but yeah, you know, everybody in the NFL, you know, if they haven't had adversity, they find it their freshman year and it makes a breakup, makes or breaks them. Um, and actually the Seahawks have a, like this weird algorithm that they use to see if they've, if someone's had enough adversity to make it in the NFL. Um, so it is something that scouts and teams look at is, you know, if this guy's kind of just been pushed his whole career, they probably some teams won't draft him no matter how talented he is because they're gonna. If you haven't gotten it yet, you're gonna find it in the NFL, and it can, it'll either make you or break you. And um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of athletes like to make it this in this profession, you gotta let those hard times make you instead of break you. Which I think to be successful in anything, you know, you gotta take the hard times and they gotta make you or instead of break you. What I I love about what you just told us was there's so many people that, you know, uh, I would have made it to that D1 school, but my damn high school coach, he just, he just had it out for me. Mm-hmm. And here you are in the NFL and, you know, I, I, who knows what that coach actually, you know, what he was thinking, but it appeared that he just had it out for you, but you just, uh, I guess you, you, you took ownership of the whole situation. You're just like, no, I'm just going to get better. I'm going to be undeniable. And unfortunately it took a whole new coaching staff, you know, to get you on the field. But that's just, that's incredible that you didn't blame anybody else. At least it appears that you didn't blame anybody else. You just, you just kept grinding. Yeah. You know, I tried to, I tried to do everything I could to, uh, um, you know, I, I going back to like having good coaches, you know, my high school coach, Oh, his whole thing was, you know, control what you can control. I couldn't control that. You know, the coach thought that, you know, I would quit in the fourth quarter. Like I, I did whatever I could do to prove it. And I was, I was just going to keep doing whatever I could, could do to prove that I wouldn't do it. So, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of goes back to all, like all the basic sayings and all the, you know, a self-help book or whatever. It's just control what you can control, you know, persevering and um, not letting those things bring you down and get you negative. Um, 
because you know i'm a big per- believer in you know the way you think or what you believe is what's going to happen or what you believe is what you're going to achieve i think it's probably on a million t-shirts um so um but as corny as it sounds i definitely think that that is um, a huge huge part of success and how to get there it's an interesting thing because uh i would imagine every single player in the nfl uh once you do make the team uh starts to develop some pretty good financial stability so uh with his yeah. logic i mean Le'Veon bell and uh all the other players that were on the jets you know at the time or whatever uh they would also quit in the fourth quarter you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i it, yeah that this was actually on the broncos so i was yeah. four years on the broncos before the jets but this is my first year on the broncos they're coming off a super bowl um so yeah that whole team was very financially stable um <laughs> So yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting logic. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's weird. man, they find out when you, before you get drafted, they find out every bit of information about you. You've never, no one's had their background checked harder than a kid trying to get drafted in the NFL. So, um, yeah, it is, it is people's logic's funny sometimes. It really is. Yeah. I know you never had anything like, so obviously your family's done well, but, hearing that uh and obviously you did already work very hard uh, did you ever in your youth or going through high school did you ever seek out things to be harder i know they weren't necessarily easy for you either because you guys you're farmers you guys work but did you ever need to seek out difficulty because maybe there was was a lack of difficulty in certain areas you get what i'm saying um yeah i, I get what you're saying i I don't know. I think, I think I always did difficult things growing up. Um, so my brother is like, you know, my brother's like six to 180 pounds and this dude hops on anything with a motorcycle or board and he's a freak. My cousin who's a month older than me is the same way. It doesn't matter if it's a video game or like they just hop on it and they're so naturally good at it. Um, and I, and I wasn't, you know, I was huge. Like I was, I was racing. I was like 12 racing 28 year olds. Cause I had to, like a, the bike for my age group couldn't hold my fat ass. You know what I'm oh, saying? Shit. So like, I didn't grow up like everything I tried, like, you know, I was doing what my dad did. My dad's five eleven, 190 pounds. So like our bodies were super different, but I wanted to be like my dad. So like me snowboarding or surf wake surfing or, or wakeboarding or dirt, it just wasn't easy for me growing up. And so I, and I guess that's another thing that goes back to, you know, where I get my mindset from is kind of built. Like I just been doing it my whole life. Like, well, I want to be like my dad or I want to be better than my little brother. So I'm going to just, you know, I'm not built for it, but I'm sure as hell going to try to be really good at it. Mm. Um, and so it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, like my friends and everybody are starting to have kids and it is interesting to look back and see what forms a kid, you know, like if my family was only into football and I was naturally good at that my whole life, you know, would I be able to persevere the way I do? But I don't know. So it's, it's interesting. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I like outwardly seeked it. Um, but I did want to be, a, a. I do enjoy being a small fish in a big pond and growing into that pond. I do really enjoy that. Um, you know, growing up in the area, um, family done what, like I, I had this drive to not be introduced all the time as like, Oh, this is, you know, Ron Offit or Keith McGovern's son. Like I want to be, Hey, you know, introduced as this is Connor McGovern. He played in the NFL or, Hey, this is Connor McGovern. He did this, not he's the son of, or the grandson of, you know what I'm saying? So I guess that was a big driver for me too. 
Um, and yeah, it's, it is interesting how everything kind of your whole, every experience in your life kind of builds to, to who you are once you're 30 years old. A cool thing about like uh, snowboarding, wakeboarding, any of a lot of the things you mentioned, the only way to have fun at those things and even racing and some of the other things you're interested in now, the only way to have fun at those things is to be skilled at them. You know, you have to, um, you know, you have to fall down a bunch. You have to like mess up a bunch and then you have to, and if you're young and you're trying these things, it could be like super upsetting, sit there in the snow crying <laughs> to yourself. But yep. the other option, you're Been like, there. you, yeah, you look around and you're like, everyone else is enjoying themselves. I should probably just stop being a bitch and I should get up and I should just learn how to do this. And uh, I could have fun exactly. like the other kids are. And so it's a, it's an interesting and, and fun uh, kind of training tool, but the challenge that it, that it uh that it gives you i think is great because it shows you right away like you want to be if you want to have fun and if you want to have fun at just about anything one of the best ways to have fun is to kick everybody else's ass in it or to at least be good at it enough so you can enjoy yourself doing it yeah exactly no that's that's a great point and definitely had a lot of moments of you know and so my 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 family is way into it so my wife didn't grow up skiing or anything and so like see but she's a very she has a like a really good worth ethic and huge drive so like she calls it like ski boot camp so like we go out and like she would ski all day like her toenails would turn black from like pushing into her boots so hard learning to ski um so yeah i mean it's it's a girl like you said um, growing up, you know, I think it did help, you know, shape a lot of my work ethic and who I am. And, and yeah, it is really interesting. Yeah. It also helps with balance. So another thing high school athletes could, could work on is balance, balance and flexibility are, are, you know, I call them like the big five. You have like speed, strength, quickness, balance, and flexibility. And I feel like the, the two latter ones aren't trained enough, um, especially in young athletes, which then you get to the NFL, we all have most of us have good enough speed, strength, and quickness. All we really, all everybody trains now is flexibility and balance because that's we are. We have the other. We have a good, great base in the other three. Get to the NFL; those are the two things you end up training the most because that's where you're lacking the most um, once you get to this this uh, this stage. Being in the league for six years and and starting to get uh, maybe a little bit uh, older or somewhere in the middle of the pack in terms of uh, where you are with your teammates. What do you think of someone like Tom Brady, who's in like his mid now, like in his mid forties and still playing? Uh, it's, uh, I don't even have a word to describe what he's doing now. Like it is remarkable. And you know, no guy in the NFL wants to play Tom Brady. Like it doesn't matter. He could be on any team in the entire country. You don't want to play Tom Brady. You're like, that is, there is going to be no easy moment. There's, you're, it's going to be a you know a sixty minute fist fight. Like he's, it is my it is mind blowing to me how he can still do it and be that competitive. And because um, people, you know, like when someone's really good at something, like you, there's a lot of people in the world that like don't like them. You know, like mm. people hate LeBron James even though he's a freak, or you don't like the Lakers when they were dominant, or. So everyone's like, "Oh, Tom Brady," and you like ask an NFL guy, they're like, "Oh no, he's a freak." Like, I I love watching Tom Brady play. Like, the dude's an animal. You know what I'm saying? So it's um, every guy in the NFL has in, an incredible amount of respect for Tom Brady. It's it's mind blowing what he can do. When's the season start? Uh, July 27th is our first day of camp. 
go and get a bunch of physicals, strap up and get after it on the 28th. Awesome, man. Well, good luck with this season. Uh, I hope uh, I hope it's a season that the Jets fans can be proud. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets fans so. can I'm, be proud of. <laughs> I trust me. I I uh, last year, man. Like I've never experienced something like that in my life. So I think you know, I'm I'm really everybody's. You know, I've never been around a team more determined and uh, you know more fired up to get going. And um, it was one of the best OTAs I've been a part of, just from. Uh, no complaining, hardworking, getting after it standpoint. So uh, we're definitely laying the base. So I think we'll, you know, you'll see some turnaround this year and in the next three to five years, it's going to be pretty special over there for sure. What's your Instagram? So some people can follow along with some of the stuff we talked about today. Um, McGovernator 60. I could, <laughs> I, we could probably smell it. Yeah. I was a, I was a huge Arnold fan. I, I went to the Arnold classic. I actually got to shake your hand there one year and I got a, meet Arnold Schwarzenegger in that same year. So Great. it was a, uh, it was a big year for me. I actually got a Arnold tank top on it. I just got done with my workout before this. I was oh, hey. <laughs> big Arnold fan. So I kind of stole his name from my Instagram, man. Awesome. Great having Back you on the, high school or whatever it was. Great having you on the Thanks, show guys. today. Appreciate it. Have a great Thank rest you. of your day. Thank you. Thanks guys. We learned a lot today. That was great. That coach was a dick. Man, that, that was guy. weird. Wow. Yeah. Like, oh, you, you come from money. You're not going to work. I hard. guess at least he was honest about it. Brutally honest. Like, I mean, <laughs> usually somebody would hide something yeah. like, oh, there's this or there's, but he's just like, nah, you came from money. Yeah. You just say like, oh, you don't have what we're looking for at the moment. You figure, right? But like, but then it's like, why did you draft him? Yeah. Right. If you knew, I think he got drafted, uh, maybe. You know, maybe that guy's just going off of uh, previous experience, Could be. you know, like that he had or mm-hmm. or maybe he um, maybe he didn't grow up with money. Maybe he grew up, you know, uh, with circumstances that weren't great and maybe he takes it out on their people. But you figure somewhere in the chain of coaching and administration, they would be like, you can't, you can't act that way like mm-hmm. that's not right it doesn't make any sense i mean that to me it's discrimination right i mean it wouldn't be any different if you discriminated uh, against anyone else for any other reason it just doesn't make sense you you should be able to play you should have access to the field if you're able to play a little bit better than some of the other people um and if you're on the team you should certainly have access to being able to play at some point like ah you're too slow you know okay Oh shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's kind of right. Like I need to be faster. You know, you, uh, you weigh too much, you weigh too little, you, you could point out many, many things, but if you start to meet some of those requirements, it's like, okay, well now why am, why am I not on the field? I hate gatekeepers. Like <laughs> gatekeepers annoy me and gatekeepers are the people that like, they have something and they have some type of position of power, but mm-hmm. they choose like they, they choose to knock on certain people, not, because of maybe their lack of skill or their lack of ability, but plainly because of maybe who they are, where they come from or something like that. And they just make things unnecessarily difficult for those people. And it's amazing when you meet people that share and they don't, and they don't care that much. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you meet someone like Ron Penna and he'll sit there and explain to you how to make protein bars because he just doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Uh, You, when, usually when you meet people that are on a high, high level, they normally don't care that much. They're normally like, I'm going to show you, you know, or if you want to know, I'll explain to you uh, how I did this almost exactly because I, I'm not fearful that you're going to do a better job than me. I actually 
a lot of times when I share stuff with people, I'm kind of hoping that they do a better job than me. Even just in starting super training, I've always wanted people to be stronger than me. And if you look at a lot of the numbers on the board from my competitive powerlifting years, I don't have the biggest bench. I don't have the biggest squat. I do have the biggest total, but I don't have the biggest, <laughs> I don't have the biggest deadlift. So there was other people that came through that were That's stronger and at least those individual lifts. Yeah. <laughs> the, the hard thing about, about Kubiak though. So the coach at that time, they had just come off a Super Bowl win. Mm, so so he, he had a lot of pull, but right. still yeah, that's you, gross. <laughs> that sucks dude you got to bring up some pictures of von miller yes yeah I'm, i've seen von miller before like like he trained at cal strength for a bit really i found an amazing picture of him right here oh the, <laughs> wow that is a that is, wow <laughs> he reminds Ooh. me of uh russell westbrook as he's far all, as his style he's all naked but i'm curious about his body now because i didn't know von miller was built like that like <laughs> oh he's a see he's just wearing all kinds of different weird stuff yeah so so yeah, could you could you pull oh, up some Von Miller uh, bod picks? Working on it. Check these out. So what? Mm, mm. Oh, why is he naked? I hey don't now. know. Wow, but he's a naked. All right, pull up the one with the guitar. I need to see those quads. I know. It's talking about these. Dude, did he grow out his hair like that? Nah. Or is that somebody else? Nah, he's see. wearing something, or maybe it's like it. I was like, that's sick if he did that. <laughs> yeah. How tall is he? Oh, why is it? He's so got to be six three. Why is it so three? small? That's not what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. the picture. Got to be six three, six four. See, well, maybe if I go. But I think he, I think he was the NFL M- or he was the Super Bowl MVP one year, yeah. which is really rare for a defensive player. Yeah. But he just, he was completely unstoppable that year, and in that Super Bowl, they just the greatest show on turf. Yeah, he, he was, said he was defense. Oh snap! He does. Where the fuck does have go? some mean quads? Especially wow. for being a taller guy, you know, he's not going to have like a crazy amount of mass, but he is built. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah that's wild. Freak of all freaks. I'm, now I'm curious. I'm going to go watch some Von Miller clips to see how this guy mm. moved. No, it's nasty. It, <laughs> it is yeah. nasty. It really is. That's the thing, man. It's like, th- th- I think that's that's one interesting thing, you know, like a lot of athletes or like at- pro athletes usually try to go towards pro sports. Mm-hmm. And if they end up there, they're not going to be doing like when an athlete that like, for example, I think a great example of this is like Russ Swole. So like he, he played football, he got injured, but he was football built. Mm-hmm. And then he just chose to go towards powerlifting and he's demolishing the 83s. I feel like, and yeah. I'm not even, I feel like I know that if any of these athletes in the NFL were just like, I just, I feel like powerlifting, mm-hmm. they'd come in and wreck oh. house. It would be, yeah, it would be ugly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Or even bodybuilding. A they friend of mine, wreck house. Friend of mine from years ago, uh, Al Caslow. He uh, just smashed all like the 181 records. Mm. Um, he was a smaller athlete, so he he used to tell me he played football, and I was like, oh, cool. I, but I didn't know he played for like the fucking Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a, a kickoff and punt returner. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was ridiculous. He was a little heavier when he played, um, but yeah, he came into powerlifting and just. You know, he broke all-time world records, mm-hmm. and I think he squatted 900 pounds. I mean, he was just this unreal uh, athlete all around. It never hurts to be a better athlete. Never. I mean, it it can only it can only be helpful mm-hmm. to be a better athlete, and you've seen you can see it across the board. Um, 
And actually, you kind of notice a common theme. I don't know if it's because I recognize it because of you, because of your soccer background, but mm. we keep hearing like time and time again, people keep mentioning soccer mm. and uh, being somebody that has been to many uh, kind of youth uh, sports events, like not much happens unless you're playing something like soccer because volleyball takes like a certain skill level to be able to knock the ball around enough to where you're moving around a lot to develop other skills. Mm -hmm. So if you play volleyball for a long time, well then of course, you know, uh, you can develop some skills, but you need to be like, you gotta be like 12 years old or something to have a decent <laughs> halfway decent game of volleyball, you know? Yeah. And, and I know some, you know, someone listening might be like my eight year old, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I get it. There are younger kids that develop faster. Your that kids learn a phenom. Yeah. And, well, and there's kids that go to camp and they take it real serious from the time they're five. And I, I understand all that, but like, I actually think that baseball, I think youth baseball is, and even youth football to a certain extent, unless you're, Unless you're playing like flag football or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these sports are kind of useless. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's almost like going to like a pageant. It reminds me of that. Cause you're like, I don't really know. Is this a choice for Especially these kids? Especially T-ball. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> and, but the kid could honestly legitimately be interested in the sport mm -hmm. by himself. But I don't, I think that sports are great activities for children for many, many different reasons, being on a team and all that stuff. But if you're trying to get your kid more activity, I would not recommend that you put him into baseball. I would not recommend that you put him into volleyball. A flag football thing might be a good place to start. Soccer might be a good place to start. Gymnastics. Gymnastics, oh, gymnastics is a great yeah. place to start. Gymnastics is a great... Gymnastics is really awesome because it's a, it's a way to... It's a way to almost auto-regulate body weight control without <laughs> without getting nuts about it. Now, you can get nuts about it because you can, someone can go deep into gymnastics and things can get weird mm -hmm. with, like, young kids dieting. But, like, you'll move better in gymnastics, in gymnastics if you're not heavy. Yeah. So, if you have a child doing it at two or three years old uh, before, you know, before they eat a lot of processed foods and things like that, they might be able to kind of hold on to some of that flexibility, mobility, strength. Uh, as they get older and older mm -hmm. yeah and like i remember when i was in like elementary school and I, I was pretty tall for my age i was definitely one of like the taller kids in school or not in school but just like like i said for my age and i just remember the guys that were like my height were like super goofy like they could not dribble a basketball they couldn't even like run straight mm -hmm. and i grew up playing soccer and i think that has a lot to do with it mm -hmm. and, uh, eventually everyone you know finally got their their bearings in line and all that basketball is pretty good use sport but, too. so that's what i was going to say is basketball is kind of a similar thing where it teaches a lot of hand eye coordination the problem with the really young kids is you just get this like mosh pit of kids going <laughs> all around the court yeah. trying to shoot the ball and nobody just air balls all day long and soccer is kind of the same thing it's a mosh for the kids just, chasing a just ball. kicking the yeah. ball back and forth but at least you know it, everyone's looking down and they're trying to kick something and then with basketball they're looking down trying to dribble something so i, I think both of those sports are actually really good because you're right mark um in in baseball it's a lot of sit and wait for the ball to never show up <laughs> Um, and then in basketball and soccer, it's just, fuck. I'd also just maybe let him, just let go to town. I'd also maybe like, just wait, to put your kid into something. I mean, sometimes your kid like really is, they really want to do something. So mm -hmm. I would never want to discourage that. But like, 
just have your kid play for a while. Yeah. You know, do all kinds of things where they play stuff and they mess around with stuff in the backyard. They don't have to necessarily be an organized sport. Mm. I think personally, I think that they would be better off if they waited till they're about eight or 10 years old mm. where they can really understand some good fundamentals of stuff. They can, mm. they can follow direction. Um, they, they just kind of, I don't know, they're just like, they're not babies anymore. You know, you don't have to worry about them really. They still might whine and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but like they can actually focus and concentrate on something and they can actually get, uh, they can participate in the sport in a lot better way than if they were like six or seven. Yeah. I would say if, if, as long as there's a way to keep them, uh, well, for sure active, but like educated on the sport. Cause like, again, I would remember like being young playing a sport and like kids didn't know where first base was Mm -hmm. and it's like, Whoa, you have no idea what you're doing. Like that's strange. (laughs) So if it, if you are going to, I think in my opinion, if you are going to kind of push your kids first base is the boobs, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't go straight for diving in the home plate. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? But (laughs) in the park home run. Well, I guess, okay, so I'll end it here, but keeping them interested in the actual sport, I think is important. So whether it's uh, not an organized thing, but like, yeah, organizing stuff yourself amongst their friends or no, that'd be a pain in the ass, like nephews and nieces and stuff. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. That's something I think that will do because yeah, some, some of the, the young stuff is like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty lame. I was like, my mom had me taste everything. So mm-hmm. she's like, you know, played some soccer, played some baseball, played some basketball. Um, and then finally, when high school came, she's like, "All right, pick one, mm. pick soccer." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's what we stuck with. Yeah, so it's good to let them vary and let them feel what they like. Yeah, and soccer is great because I mean, it's, so baseball kind of, but when they're kids, like they start kicking shit like right away. As soon as they can walk, they start kicking stuff. So like, you can kick. All right, cool. You can play soccer. Mm-hmm. I know it gets way more complex than that. Trust me, I know. My whole family played soccer, but. Like it's, it's a, it's a low barrier of entry mm-hmm. and they could start wrecking kids right away. Yeah. Some of the uh, coaches and, or, uh, people that have, you know, athletes in the family, or if you're a younger person, I mean, recognize that Connor, uh, was six four two seventy five in high school. Um, he started lifting at a very young age. I think he said he started in like fifth grade, fourth mm-hmm. grade, started lifting at a very young age, but he would not been able to make it in the NFL if he didn't train for it. So, I mean, a guy that's, that's, you know, just, I think it's a great story. You know, a guy that's six, four, two seventy five in high school, you would think he would just be like grandfathered into the, uh, to the NFL, but it, it doesn't work that way. And also he talked about injuries and I actually think, I, I think there's a lot of things that can be done with head injuries. Um, I think shortening the game up a little bit would help. Like, for example, if the entire game took as long as getting through three quarters, um, I think I think that would solve a lot of problems because I I believe that a lot of the head injuries aren't. I mean, obviously they're from the sport. You know, you're smashing each other head to head, and uh, the equipment kind of allows for that. The equipment allows for you just to use your body as a weapon. And use your head, your own head as a weapon, which is, which is probably the most common form of like head injury is when somebody decides to use their own head, uh, as a weapon and they either a hurt themselves or B, uh, hurt the opponent or C all the above. They hurt themselves and, uh, the opponent. We've seen that before where both guys kind of get, uh, knocked out. 
But I think aside from the obvious of just like head hunting and going after someone's head or leading with your own head, I think a solution to some of this is to uh, a have better conditioning and b see if there's some things that we can do in the sport so that the guys aren't as fatigued because mm-hmm. if you're if anyone that's done any sort of like boxing or any sort of um, physical sport where you're against another person uh mma jujitsu um uh, even like wrestling you're way more vulnerable to get hurt when you are exhausted yes and if you're kind of getting your ass kicked it's like well now you're exhausted and you're mentally broke (laughs) and when you're broke you're you're less likely to um take more you take more risks yeah you take yeah you take yeah you don't like you you're not making good decisions when you're fatigued you know they say fatigue makes cowards of us all and i think that that's what's happening a lot of times in the nfl and i i think that the conditioning side of things is like way undersold i i just know from i i didn't play nearly at that level but from the amount of football that i played i could say that pretty much everyone on the field was always a little bit out of shape they weren't in the shape that you really need maybe aside from like the Maybe aside from some of like the wide receivers, you know, they're running down the field the whole entire game. Um, but everyone on the field could utilize that same level of conditioning. And it's really rare for people to have that. So they, people might kind of claim like, oh, fourth quarter, I'm not tired. But they definitely don't feel like they did in the first and second quarter. Right. Anyway, you want to take us on home, Andrew? Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. How freaking cool was it? That a professional Jets player talking about how much he uses a slingshot. I know. Like, that's great. fucking sick. I love that. Uh, so if you guys like today's episode, um, please make sure you hit that like button. Subscribe if you're not uh, already subscribed right now. And hit that bell notification so you guys don't miss any videos or when we go live because we have been doing Q&As. We're going to do more of that stuff coming up soon. Mm. Please make sure you're following the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram at MB Power Project on TikTok and Twitter. Shout out and thank you to Element for sponsoring today's episode. Links to them down in the YouTube description as well as the podcast show notes. Again, drink LMNT.com slash Power Project. My Instagram is at I am Andrew Z. Same as Twitter and Sema. Where are you at? And Sema and Yang on Instagram and YouTube. And it's me, Yin Yang, on TikTok and Twitter. Mark. Seahawks algorithm. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, I saw that. I'm not, let, I'm not letting that slide. I'm going to research that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you write it down once he said it. I, I want to I see, see what's going on with that. Imagine we use that for like hiring people. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sick. That was amazing. That yeah. was super interesting. I was like, huh? They had a, what was it, algorithm to see, like... Adversity. Adver- yeah, what adversity they yeah. faced. And An adversity per- algorithm. Perseverance, which is like, another word I can't pronounce. Like, your uh, adversity algorithm on a scale of 1 to 10 is a point one two. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, shit. You've been handed everything. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, I'm at Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch you guys later.